Good morning, church. I'm so glad we get to open up God's Word together again, and I genuinely anticipate the moving of His Holy Spirit in our midst through His Word. And so I encourage you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 27, and Psalm 18, verses 1 to 3 and 30 to 33. The outline will be on the website later as well, but while you're turning to those passages, I just want to give you a few brief updates. Uh, please continue to visit our COVID-19 response page. There you will find uh, sermons and resources. You will also find scheduling updates, and you'll find ways to report a need that you might have uh, that you just want the pastors to know or a need that might be beyond what your community group uh, can care for, ways to offer your help, um, ways to love our neighbors. Um, you'll also find there uh, ways to share prayer requests and also to share stories of God's work in your life or in your community uh, groups or just as you've seen people uh, living on mission for the glory of Jesus' name. We want to celebrate God's grace all throughout our lives and our city. So please make use of that. Also, starting this week, the church will be using Zoom as its virtual platform uh, moving forward for groups under 100. So that means all Bible studies, counseling, prayer gatherings, staff meetings, elders meetings, invest meetings, um, those things will be on Zoom. So I want to encourage you to download um, Zoom, the Zoom app, uh, so that when we send out links, you'll already have it there ready on uh, your device, and it will immediately take you there. If you don't, that's fine. The links will help you do all those as well. But speaking of which... <clears throat> We will be continuing our First Kings Bible study and our Bible, our women's Bible study on the book of Hebrews, and we will be doing that virtually, and that'll start uh, soon. Um, in the next this week, uh, next week, we're not exactly sure, uh, working through some details, but uh, you will receive an email um, about that. So please look on our website or in your inbox for those Bible studies, as well as starting uh, some other Bible studies uh, in uh, the coming weeks. Also, Easter is coming up, and as it is approaching, it's also the end of Lent. And so for us, Good Friday is the end of our Lent reflections. And so we want to have a virtual prayer gathering on April the 10th, which is Good Friday. And so we encourage you to set that aside. And so we will gather together virtually, and we will have a gathering in prayer. I'm looking really forward to that. So please make sure you put that on your calendar. That's April the 10th. Now we're in a sermon series entitled Finding Peace, the Battle Against Anxiety. And today's sermon is entitled Facing the Fear of Not Being Safe and Finding Peace. So the goal in all of this is that peace is possible as we face different fears. Uh, we will also talk about fears, uh, facing the fear of loneliness. And on Easter Sunday, we'll talk about the fear of facing the fear of the future. And the following Sunday, we'll talk about facing the fear of people. Um, but today we're going to be dealing with facing the fear of not being safe and finding peace. And so I just want to quote Psalm 34, 4. It's a verse I read last week. It's just a promise that's laying there for us. And I want that to lead us into prayer. And then we will dive into uh, the sermon today. So Psalm 34, 4 says this, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Let's pray. Father, that's our prayer. Deliver your people from their fears. 
so that the only fear is the fear of you. And we are set free into the sea of peace that you promise for your people. Please, Father, drive us to be a people who commune with you in prayer. Work in our midst, I pray, to give us peace and to make us messengers of peace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> this season of quarantine continues to reach um, crazy, unprecedented levels. We are now in Wake County uh, at a stay-at-home order, and on Monday our entire state will be there. And I believe it's exposed some significant vulnerability in us all. Some fears, maybe even deep below the surface, but real fears that seem to be screaming loudly in our brains, in our homes, in our community. And the point of this entire series is that we should not avoid our fears, but we should face them. But as we face them, we should not just stare at them, but view them as opportunities to be set free from. So that when we begin to see them, they are opportunities. And so as we face fears, we must remember from last week we must own them, examine them, and confess them. We must own our fears. Father, I am anxious. And we must examine our fears. Why am I anxious? What is causing all of this anxiety in my heart? And then turning to God in prayer, we confess. We first confess what is unhealthy. Father, I'm not even thinking on you. I'm not believing rightly about myself or about you. Father, help me. Forgive me. And then it is not just a confession of our anxiety, but a confession of faith. Father, you are with us. You are our hiding place. You are trustworthy. You are good. And although turning to God in prayer doesn't just create this immediate sense of peace, it is the place where God promises peace to reign. And that's what we saw in Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, that we can find peace. The peace that passes all understanding will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus as we turn to him in prayer. So I just want to encourage us here to make sure that we are setting our hearts and our minds upon the Lord in prayer. And today, as we look at um, the topic for today, that is fear of not being safe, we see four elements of finding peace in the midst of that fear of not being safe. And they're all peace. Prayer, the problem, the perspective, and the promise. Prayer is just going to be a brief recap of where we were last week. But then as we specifically look at safety and our fear of not having safety, we will see the problem, that is safety threatened. We will see the perspective, that is safety clarified. And we will see the promise, that is safety secured. So let's get a pull a little bit from last week and look at prayer. Prayer is the place of peace in the midst of a threat. Prayer is the place of peace as we face the fears of not being safe. Just remember, sermon by sermon, it is not that you're just moving on to more new information that you can gather, but it's meant to be added upon. We cannot forget prayer. Instead, we must see prayer not as an event like before a meal or at the end of the day, but it is a way of life. It's a desperate way of living that we talk to God and we turn to him, especially in the middle of our anxiety. For prayer to become a normal, not foreign part of our life, we must learn to be still with the Lord in his word. 
we must slow down for deeper intimacy with Jesus. And I am convinced that part of God's design in his many thousands of purposes in this COVID-19 season, part of God's design for his church is to us, for us to reestablish the foundation of what it means to be a healthy follower of Jesus. And that is slowing down for deeper intimacy with Jesus. Slowing down for deeper intimacy with Jesus in his word and in prayer. In my midday time with Jesus, one of my commitments for Lent that I would stop in the middle of my days, I was reading a book, and in that book there was a prayer. And the prayer went something like this. It said, God, make me more attentive to your voice and make me do one thing at a time today without rushing or hurrying. Help me make everything about you and enjoy you in all I do. And as I read that, it was just so refreshing and in some senses so jolting to do one thing at a time. Oh God, help us to not be rushed or hurried because it is there as we begin to do one thing at a time, as we even stop and become still before the Lord, it is there where we find freedom from our fears and our anxious thoughts as we seek the Lord in prayer. So let's don't forget prayer, but as we specifically turn and look and face our fears of insecurity, the fear of not being safe, we will see the problem, the perspective, and the promise. Now, this first one is the problem, safety threatened. Have you ever wondered why does anxiety come up in the first place? Why do we get anxious? Or to use other words, why do we get worried or overwhelmed or stressed or nervous or distressed or fearful? One reason why we get anxious is our longing to be safe. Safe means that we feel protected or we feel secure. Therefore, the opposite would be there are times that we feel insecure or we don't feel protected, that that safety is threatened. Here are some examples. Let's think through it. When we first think of safety, if you're like me, I first think of physical safety. That is, the desire to be safe from disease, the desire to be safe from physical attack or safe from war or safe from physical pain, or safe from natural disasters and the loss that it might bring, or safe from even death itself. And when that safety is threatened, it can create deep fear within us. And these days, many of us are afraid for our physical safety. We're afraid of physical suffering. And it's our longing to be protected. It's our longing to be safe that stirs these anxious feelings. But we not only have a longing for physical safety, we have a longing for emotional safety. We have our ways of trying to build our own security. What do I mean by emotional safety? Well, sometimes we try to find emotional safety in people. I want to share my heart with someone who will listen, who is gentle, who will handle my successes and my failures with care, one who will not condemn. And a person like that is trustworthy, and we might say a person like that is safe. But there are times when people act the opposite. They do not listen. They do condemn. 
They aren't gentle and they hurt us. And sometimes we respond because now we feel threatened or unsafe. We respond trying to protect ourselves. We're not going to let anyone else in. We're going to be afraid to love ever again because the last time we felt like we might be safe, we weren't protected. This is a fear of emotional safety. We weren't safe. Emotional safety can not only be sought in people, it can be sought in our money. We can feel that money brings safety. If that paycheck, stock portfolio, retirement account, or savings account is threatened in any way, we become afraid because what do, what do some people say? Our safety net, isn't that what some people call it? Our safety net is not so safe anymore. That money we know it doesn't protect us from natural disasters or disease or death, although sometimes we wish it could, or we even sometimes maybe try to see if it will. But deep down, money is our safety because it protects us emotionally. We believe it secures our happiness or provides the comfort that we need. With money, sometimes we're tempted to believe we are safe if we have it, and without it, we are exposed or threatened or unsafe. We not only can have emotional safety in people or money, but we can have seek our emotional safety in our work. And when we seek our emotional safety in our work, sometimes that comes out as working a lot. Now, working is a commanded gift from God. You don't work, you don't eat. It's, this is something that God has as a gift for us. But when we take that gift and we attach safety to it, we might begin to talk like this, like this. I matter when I work a lot, or I get praised when I work a lot, or safe in that approval when I work a lot. Man, aren't you busy? And that gives us some sense of rush or safety in that approval. The work, the more I work, the less maybe I'll make mistakes. So I'm just going to work and work and work so that I don't make mistakes because as one friend of mine said, perfection is protection. That is, if I can be perfect, I will be protected. Protected from what? Protected from the disapproval of that person that I care about. Protection from not measuring up to somebody else's standard. So all of a sudden, rather than working for the glory of God, out of his acceptance of us, instead we work in order to be accepted. We work for security. We work to be somebody. We work to get an affirmation and to avoid harsh words. Our work becomes our security. And this is why the loss of a job for many is not just threatening because it's the loss of money, but it's the loss of an identity. It's a loss of control. It's a loss of safety. Emotional safety or security is why image is a huge deal. People spend countless hours and lots of money on how they look or what they wear, in part because they enjoy it, but for many, because they are told if they look good or fit in or have the latest, they will be accepted, and in that they feel safe. So we might ask, where does anxiety come from? For many of us, it comes when we are physically or emotionally threatened, when we feel insecure, when we don't feel safe. Now, Ed Welch talks about anxieties, and he says that anxieties are like a string on a finger. 
Strings on the finger were the Siri and Google of former days. That is, it was served as a reminder. A string on the finger was this reminder, specifically, like when you forget something, you tied a string on your finger. Well, here, fears are those strings on the finger, reminding us God is here. Look to God. It's like an internal warning system to us not to replace God with things or to live in our own strength. So the, as that anxiety bubbles up, it's the string on the finger. It's a reminder you, you might be replacing God with things. You might not be leaning on him. You might not be thinking on him. So rather than seeing these moments of anxiety are just simply bad, look at them as a string on the finger, and they are meant to be Holy Spirit moments. Invitations to prayer, invitations to say to God, I am afraid, but oh God, you are here and you care about me. You see, you know, you love me. You are in control. You are powerful. You are good. You are at work. And we can feel safe many times when we believe we are in control or when we get affirmation or when we know we are loved. But when we see that I'm not in control or I'm not perfect or I'm not approved by that person, or I'm not loved no matter what I do. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. Then all of a sudden we begin to swim in shark-infested waters. Our safety is threatened and we become anxious. And what we must remember is our fears of not being safe, when they come over us, they're like a string on the finger. And they are meant to turn us from safety in our control in our image, in our jobs, in our friends, or in our spouses, or our children, to admit our safety rests solely in God alone, who can calm the raging seas of our heart. And so, as we face our fear of insecurity and our longing to be safe, the problem of our safety is threatened all the time. Excuse me. <coughs> I know you would say bless you right now. But as we fear, as we face the fear of our insecurity and our longing to be safe, the problem is our safety is threatened all the time. So in the midst of these threats, we need perspective. This takes us to Matthew chapter 6, as we look at the second idea, or the third idea, perspective, safety clarified. Now, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is teaching us how to live free from anxiety as his hearers began to feel insecure about their basic needs. And so Jesus asks three questions to give us perspective in the midst of our feelings of insecurity. Look at Matthew chapter 6 with me, verses 25 through 27. And the first perspective he gives is found in verse 25. Look at this. Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Answer, yes. Luke actually even makes it a statement and not a question. He says, yes, life is more than food and the body more than clothing. And so the question is, why are we anxious over these things when life is greater than these things? And we say, well, why are we anxious over these things? Because it makes sense. If you don't have food or clothing, that's a dangerous thing. John Piper, in an article I read, he states that there were, 
were probably three fears at play here. Number one, if you have no food, there's probably a loss, at a minimum, a loss of pleasure. Food is enjoyable, and so there's a loss of pleasure. If you have no clothing, the second fear, at a minimum, is a loss of human approval. You don't fit in, you don't have the clothing you need. But the one I immediately first thought of was, if you have no food and no clothing, there is a fear of a loss of life. And so probably driving them is, yes, this loss of pleasure or this loss of human approval or acceptance, but that their life might be shortened somehow. And Jesus says that life is greater than these things. Therefore, don't be anxious. So although our life is on this earth, he is saying that our life is more than some pleasure here or getting people to like us or living a long life. Even though so many people, that would be the definition of a good life. Finding pleasure, people approval, and living long. However, Jesus says life is greater than those things. It's about enjoying and being with and living for the glory of Jesus. Whether you're 13, whether you're 30, or whether you're 93, life is about and for him. He is simply saying there is something greater to life than money or food or clothing. And that something is a person who will never leave you nor forsake you. You might have heard the finer things of life. Well, the finer things of life are not fine wine and a nice meal and nice cars or houses and clothing. The finest things in life is being with and living for Jesus. And if we lose sight of that, then our hearts will be prone to become more anxious over provision. And Jesus is saying we need the perspective that life is more than money, food, and clothing and immediate pleasure and our image. And if we see that, then we will begin to be less anxious and we will not have anxiety over these things. The second perspective he wants us to see is found in verse 26. And he says this, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you of more value than they? And the answer is, yes, you are. You are of more value Remember when we talked about the problem that is safety threatened. Safety feels threatened when we long for approval or acceptance, but we don't get it. When we don't get that unconditional love that we long for, but instead somebody hurts us. When we want the same treatment or the same opportunity as others, but instead we receive rejection. And here I think about Asian Americans who many right now are being treated as outcasts because of this COVID-19 outbreak. And that breaks my heart for the ignorance and, and the, the racism that plays into that. And right here, we just need to hear the words of Jesus that looks at all of these that who are rejected and who aren't getting approval and hear this voice that says, aren't you more valuable than the birds? Answer is yes. Yes, you are. And it's not wrong to long for approval. It's not wrong to long for acceptance. It's not wrong to long not to be rejected. But if we are trying to fill those longings up in people, 
the people around us, we will be let down. But by grace, through faith alone in Christ, we have all of those things met. He was rejected so that we might not be rejected, so that we might be fully approved and accepted by him. And here he communicates it clearly. You are of more value than the birds. What's the summary? Your father knows what you need. Your father cares about your needs. Your father cares for you. This is the perspective we need in the midst of fear because when we are fearing our safety or when we're feeling insecure, the temptation is to believe nobody cares or nobody cares who can do anything about it. And here he is saying, if I feed the birds, don't you think I'm going to take care of you because I care for you? You are of more value. Not only do we need the perspective that life is greater than general provisions and immediate pleasure and approval, and not only do we need the perspective that God says we are valuable to him and he loves us, but we need the perspective given in verse 27. Verse 27 says this of Matthew chapter 6, And which one of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And then the parallel passage, Luke chapter 12, verse 26, says this, If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? And I read that and I was like, that's the very reason I'm anxious. I can't add more time to my busy schedule in order to get these things done that are stressing me out. Or in this passage, I can't add more time to the day so that I can try to find food or I can make clothing or earn up enough money in order to have my provisions. And Jesus is saying, if you can't do as small a thing as making a 24-hour day a 25-hour day, then why are you anxious? And I'm just like, do you just see what he did? It's like, we just got exposed. He's saying, if you can't do the easiest thing, if you can't do that, then you are completely out of control to sustain your life and to provide for yourself. And many of us are like, that's why I'm anxious, because I am out of control. And that's Jesus's point. To become secure, you have to become more insecure in yourself and more secure in Christ. The gateway to our safety and security is to be insecure in our provision and control and to be secure in his provision and control. That's why you must look past yourself. I must look past myself to the God who calms the storms with a word the God who feeds the birds, the God who clothes the flowers, who knows all of your needs and cares for you more than you even care for yourself. These are the perspectives that God wants us to have as we face the fears and we long to be safe. Life is more than comfort and being praised and living long. You are more valuable than the birds. So live loved, live in peace. And surrender your fear because you are completely out of control. He's saying, I've got you. You can trust me. And so, dear friends, I wish, I wish with all my might that I could promise that you won't get sick or your wages won't decrease or that death won't come to you or to those you love. 
I wish I could promise you that if you just trust in Jesus, then your relationships will be peaceful and you will never get emotionally weak and you will always feel protected. But I cannot do that. But here's what I can promise from the Bible. Jesus will be with you and he is a rock for you and that is enough. Our safety and security rests in Jesus. And so in our longing for security and safety, we have seen the problem is that our safety is threatened. And the perspective, all of a sudden that Jesus gives us, it clarifies what safety is. But now we run headlong into the promises of Jesus and our safety being secured in him. So this is the last point, promise, safety, secured. Look at what we are promised in Psalm 18, beginning in verses one to three. I'm going to read that passage with you. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and I am saved from my enemies. Now, last week, we had a sure promise of peace as we bow our hearts in prayer in the midst of anxiety. This week, that promise is still ours, but he gives us three more promises. Promise one is that Jesus is our foundation, the foundation underneath us. Two is that Jesus is a protector around us for us to rest in. And three is that Jesus is a provider for all that we need. Jesus is our foundation, he is our protector, and he is our provider. And so let's look at Psalm 18 and see how we get these promises in the midst of these verses. We'll begin with Jesus is our promised foundation. And let's look at Psalm 18, verse 1. It says, I love you, O Lord, my strength. Now, you might be like, how do you get the idea of foundation here? Well, when the psalmist says, I love you, O Lord, he is stating that you are worthy to be the foundation of all my affection. You are worthy for me to build my entire life upon, and I love you as my rock, my strength. And I immediately thought when I was going through this of a time when I was running in my neighborhood and I was listening to the book of Matthew. And it was there, I hit chapter 7. And as I was listening to chapter 7, a famous story that Jesus tells in verses 24 and following go like this. Jesus' words say this, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came up and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat against that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. And as I was running, I was struck. For the first time, it felt like it was that no matter how you live, the floods were going to come. The wind was going to blow, and the rains were going to fall. These clearly are metaphors for pain will come into our lives. Trials will enter our life. But 
those of us who build our lives upon Christ, who is the rock, it is the difference between strength and destruction, the difference between peace and fear. Those who build their lives upon Jesus and his words will weather the storm. And that's what the psalmist is saying here. Lord, I love you because you are my strength. You are my foundation. You are the foundation of my life. He goes on to say, you're my rock and my fortress and my shield. You are my everything and I trust you. So that when we face the fear of not being safe, we must remember the safest place to be is building our lives upon the foundation who is Jesus and living according to his words. That's what Jesus said. When we love him, trust in him, build our life upon him and do what he says, we will be like the wise man who builds his house upon the rock that even though those rains come and the winds blow, we will stand secure. So the first promise is Jesus is our rock and he is our foundation and he is the foundation of our affection and that is worthy to build our lives upon. The second promise is that he is our protector and you see that in Psalm 18 verses 2 to 3 when he says, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, he says it again, my rock in whom I take refuge, that is who I hide behind, my shield and the horn of my salvation and my stronghold. And I'll stop right there. These images of God are images of defense. He is our rock in the midst of shifting circumstances. He is our refuge in the midst of our spiritual war. He is the shield from the fiery darts of the devil. He is the fortress in the midst of our battle. The image is one of God as protector, as a wall for us, one to hide behind and to be safe in. But here we must be understanding what he means. Just like the last promise, a foundation in the midst of the storm, we must believe and know this, that him being a protector, being safe, is not the absence of pain or weakness. It's the presence of Jesus in the midst of pain or weakness. So that it's not the absence of loss, but when you experience loss, he weeps with you. And he is with you, comforting you. And he helps you grieve with hope. And he loves you through the pain. And he protects you and protects your faith from the crushing blows that these times of suffering can bring. And when people hurt you or attack you, he is your advocate. He's advocating for you. He is your defender, and he is refining you and making you more like him. Although cutting you, he is making you a refined diamond, refining you in the furnace of affliction, but he is still your protector. And when your life seems to change every minute, and there's no safety in your circumstances, you can know as protector, he has never changed. The Lord will protect you. He will provide for you. And if God is for you, and this is when if we were all together in the main room, I would say, I'd point to you, who can be against you? That's Romans 8 verse 31. If God is for us, who can be against us? And then it goes on in verse 32 to say, if God did not spare his own son, but gave him over for us all, how will he not also in Christ graciously give us 
all things. That is, if he did the hardest thing by killing his son, surely we can trust him as our protector and our provider to graciously give us everything that we need. And so safety is not the absence of pain or weakness, but it's his presence in the midst of it. And safety is not the presence of our wants, but it's the presence of our needs. And this is where we begin to see God as provider. Our life might be marked by loss, but our God supplies our needs. That's the point of Matthew 6. He'll take care of us. Psalm 34, 9 through 10 says this, O fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Philippians 4.19, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. The other promise is that God is not only a foundation and a protector, but he is a provider. If protector is a defensive posture, provider is an offensive posture. And look at Psalm 18, verses 30 to 33 with me. As we see God as provider, the Bible says, This God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. For who is God but the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? And what does it mean for God to be a rock? Verses 32 and 33. The God who equipped me with strength and made my way blameless. He made my feet like the feet of a deer and set me secure. There's a word. Made me safe on the heights. And you might ask, how does God being a rock make us stronger or provide for us? Well, I don't know if you knew this, but concrete in and of itself is not strong until you add rocks to it. And as the rocks are being added, the concrete adheres to the rock and it creates a stronger, more firm surface. So rocks were used to strengthen. So when the Bible says, God, you are our rock, you equip me with strength or you make my way blameless, it's like God begins to share his rockness with us. He equips us. He makes us strong like he is strong. Now, interestingly, do you know when the first time is that God uses a rock to provide for his people? You see it in Exodus chapter 17 when water shoots out of a rock and his people are provided for. Well, when Paul interprets that passage in 1 Corinthians, Paul says that that rock that provided for the people was Christ. And so, when we read rock here in Psalm 18, we can read rock not only as a provider, but rock as the provider who is Jesus. That is, the presence of Jesus providing for God's people. So when we read, who is a rock except our God, we know the answer to be, there is no one like our God who gave his only son to die in the place of sinners who deserved full wrath and condemnation, although he didn't deserve any. Instead, he leaves the security of heaven to enter this world of many threats, and he voluntarily took those threats. He was rejected by men. He was abandoned by his friends and followers and was punished by his fathers by his father for sins he did not commit also that we sinners who deserve full condemnation could find security 
in him by trusting in his death and his resurrection. And the remarkable thing, as one dear friend of mine, Jordan Thomas, says, he has no buyer's remorse. That means he doesn't look back at the cross and say, man, they weren't worth that. No, instead it says in the book of Hebrews, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He ran headlong into danger so that we might be safe and secure in him. And now he constantly intercedes for us, filling us with his Holy Spirit so that these promises, the promises of Psalm 18, are ours. Promises like verse 32. He equips us with strength. That's a promise. He is our provider. Verse 32. He makes our way blameless. That means he's sanctifying us. He, that's a promise. He is a provider. And then verse 33. He makes our feet like the feet of a deer. He sets us secure on the heights. What's that mean? Our feet would not handle jagged mountains. They would be all cut up. They would not handle the rough terrain of the heights. But a deer's feet can handle it. And what does he do? The promise is that in the midst of the jagged edges of our loss, in the midst of the rough terrain of our trials, in the midst of all the things that threaten our safety, he makes our spiritual feet that is our energy, our faith, our minds, our emotional strength, our memory, exactly what it needs to be for us to stand secure in the rugged terrain, in the midst of the storms of our trials, to endure in our faith as we scale the jagged mountain path of following Jesus. Being safe, therefore, is not the absence of loss or pain, but it's the presence of of a Savior who redeems that loss and pain. We have to be able to see that every loss is a lesson. It's not throwaway. He is working all things for our good. And what the devil means for evil, God purposes for good. He is protecting our faith to last to the end. He is providing for us. He is our foundation. These are the promises that are ours in Christ, and they are meant to make our hearts rest secure when our safety feels threatened. They are meant to give us the perspective we need to run to him in prayer so that we can find peace. We can find peace as we fear not being safe, and we can trust him. We can trust him that although we don't have the strength to be our security, although others cannot provide our security. Although our world cannot make us safe and secure, we have all we need in Christ, and therefore in him we are safe. I encourage you to take some time to reflect. You might even want to play the song that we gave you entitled Shelter. That song has been such a grace to me, and you'll hear so many of these themes come up in this song. And just use it as a time for reflection and meditation. And write down some of the things that maybe God is stirring in your heart. Maybe to confess. Maybe to go to him in prayer. Or maybe he's calling you to action in some way. Write these down. Press into God. And I pray you experience the richness of his grace. And you find peace as you face the fear of not being safe. Because in him there is safety. There is peace. Much grace to you.